you guys can head out in middle school. You guys can head to the, the community room. Well, um, Apollo 13 was the seventh mission uh, by the United States into space and was intended to be the third um, mission to the moon. But two days into the trip, uh, an oxygen tank exploded uh, in the main, uh, what is it, the main capsule, that's the word I was looking for, and so they had to kind of say goodbye to it and go ahead and return home a little ahead head of schedule, and there were lots of complications on the way, and uh, the re-entry into that was pretty harrowing, and uh, so we're going to take a look at that experience here. may die before the main chute's open. Roger, let's tie all the batteries on a main A and main B. Flight, they're still showering a bit up there. Do you want to tell them? Is there anything we could do about it? Now, and they don't need to know, do they? Copy that. Is my still present in the splash down there? Yeah. And we got the, uh, the parachute situation, the heat shield, the angle of the trajectory in the typhoon. There's just so many variables I'm a little I know what lost. the problems are, Henry. This could be the worst disaster NASA's ever experienced. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Expect entry interface in 45 seconds. And on my mark, your velocity will be 35,245 feet per second. Marked. 35 seconds to entry interface. Gentlemen, it's been a privilege flying with you. radio contact. Roger that. Expect to regain signal in three minutes. It depends on the heat shield. Standing by for any reports. 
position. One minute and 30 seconds to end of blackout. No re-entering ship has ever taken longer than three minutes to emerge from blackout. This is the critical moment for the heat shield hold. With a command module, survive the intense heat of re-entry. If it doesn't, there'll only be silence. Mommy, you're squishing me. I'm sorry, sweetie. Flight, that's three minutes. We are standing by for acquisition. Copy that. Odyssey, Houston, do you read me? Odyssey, this is Houston, do you read? The expected time of reacquisition, the time when the astronauts were expected to come out of blackout, has come and gone. But all any of us can do now is just listen and hope. We're about to learn whether or not that heat shield, which was damaged, as you remember, by the explosion three days ago, has withstood the inferno of re-entry. Odyssey, this is Houston. Do you read me? Odyssey, Houston, do you read me? Three minutes, 30 seconds, stand by. Odyssey, Houston, do you read me? Odyssey, this is Houston. Do you read me? That's four minutes. Standing by. Deal with it. <laughs> ah, they go down in a fiery inferno. I'm just kidding. You'll just have to watch the end. But what makes that scene so gut-wrenching is that in that moment, the people on the spaceship, the families that are waiting, I mean, all the world that's watching has no idea if that's going to turn out well. And, and the... You know, the death of those astronauts is a very real possibility. I want you to kind of sit in that for a little bit. Um, today marks the uh, beginning of Holy Week on the Christian calendar. If you were unaware, um, like I would have been growing up, uh, this Sunday before Easter is called Palm Sunday. And it uh, remembers Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Uh, just a, a, a beginning, kind of the last week of his earthly life. But on that Sunday, nobody would have known that six days later, Jesus was going to be dead. The uh, two most important events um, in Jesus' life were just on the horizon. And in fact, on Palm Sunday, you probably would have thought that everything was kind of coming together. I mean, Jesus was marching into Jerusalem with a hero's welcome. The people were lining the streets. They were laying out palm branches on the ground. And that 
signifies that that's what people would do for a gentle that was coming home from a military victory. And so that's how the crowd was kind of perceiving Jesus as he, as he came into town. And they were shouting praises like, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. So you can imagine the disciples, the guys that had kind of been with Jesus for, for three years, and they had seen the highs and lows, uh, the miracles and the, the crowds that gathered uh, when he would teach. They'd seen him being accused and, and uh, belittled by the, the Jewish religious leaders. And it seemed like Jesus was finally getting his due, like that he was finally experiencing the, the victory that they were all searching for. At least that's what appeared to be happening as Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, two of the biggest events in, in our Christian faith are, are just a few days away. Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Friday and Sunday, two days that commemorate his death and his resurrection. And religious scholars and historians throughout history have, many have dedicated much of their life to studying those two days. The, the events that happen on those days and their implications for us as his followers but i've never read a book about saturday the day when jesus was laying dead in the tomb i've never never read a book about that day and i'm sure that there is one out there but it's probably not on the bestseller list surely saturday had to have some significance right i mean this was a three-day story in fact, Jesus made it very clear that his death and re resurrection was going to be a three-day story. Uh, in, in the Gospel of Matthew alone, he said it three different times. Look at some of these quotes from Jesus. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day, he will be raised to life. And the disciples were filled with grief. In Matthew 20, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, he will be raised to life. And so Jesus makes it very clear that his story will have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So why was Saturday necessary? I mean, how does it move the story forward at all? Let me ask you this question. What is it that you enjoy most about the movies, like a good movie or a good book? Like what, what has to be present? What are the ingredients of a good story. What is it for you? Yes, your name. Conflict, okay? Some kind of struggle, right? What else? Resolution. Resolution <laughs> of that conflict. Okay. What else? Suspense. Yeah. Yeah. Good characters, okay? Yeah, so you're kind of engaged with them. It's kind of hard to pop into a movie like Apollo 13 towards the end and not have heard the backdrop on the characters, but yeah. To have a good beginning to where you understand the setup for the, for the whole story. Okay. If you pop into the middle of a, of a movie, yeah. I never go to a movie if it's not a good story. Yeah, okay, so you've got to see the beginning to see how it's set up. 
Uh, Erica said something that was very much like my wife. My wife and I have very different opinions on movies, okay? My wife will only go to a movie that ends well, okay? And her opinion is life is hard enough. There's enough pain in this world. I don't want to have to go and watch other, you know, more pain. I want to see something good come in the end. Now, I like those kinds of movies too, but I'm pretty okay with it not turning out well. My take is, for me, the, those things kind of mirror life and that I might be able to learn something from the struggle and the reality that things don't always turn out okay now. Uh, because I also have hope that they will someday. But we just have very different... So a lot of times we go to different movies. And I find other people to go to movies. Um, and there's a whole slew of movies that she's never seen that I've seen. And I just kind of know that and that's okay. But in general, a, a good story has to have conflict or obstacles in order for it to be interesting. I mean, that's kind of the formula for great movies is that people overcome obstacles in some way. It's what happens between the introduction and the conclusion that makes it compelling, that, that builds the, the, the intensity for the climax that makes the, the ending so exciting. And God is the master storyteller. And so he knew that Saturday was necessary. I didn't know this, but the Bible is filled with other third-day stories. Uh, John Ortberg, in a book I've recently read called Who Is This Man?, um, it's kind of a, a book that talks about Saturday. This is what he said. He said, The Old Testament scriptures are filled with what might be called third-day stories. When Abraham uh, is afraid he's going to have to sacrifice Isaac, he sees the sacrifice that will save his son's life on the third day. Joseph's brothers get put in prison and they're released on the third day. Israelite spies are told by Rahab to hide from their enemies, and then they'll be safe on the third day. When Esther hears that her people are going to be slaughtered, she goes away to fast and pray. On the third day, the king receives her favorably. It's such a recurring pattern that the prophet Isaiah says, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in this presence. And Orberg says this about Saturday. He says it's a strange day this in-between day, in-between despair and hope, in-between confusion and clarity, in-between bad news and good news, in-between darkness and light. Saturday is the day your dream died. You wake up and you're still alive. You have to go on, but you don't know how. Worse, you don't know why. Awesome. This odd day raises a question. Why is there a Saturday? It doesn't seem to further the storyline at all. So what do you think? Why is Saturday necessary, this in-between day? I mean, if God had wanted to, couldn't he have just had Jesus come back on Saturday, be resurrected, and have it just be a two-day story? I mean, in some ways, we kind of prefer that, an end to the tension, Right? We don't like to wander around in general in darkness for very long before we see a light of the possible ending of the struggle. So what do you think? Okay, so without Saturday, you're not going to appreciate Sunday to the same extent. What else? I would say it's kind of like whenever you're in elementary school and you learn about the 
triangle that gets filled up to that point, and it's just you 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 just can't take it anymore. Uh, some balls that have got a high travel rate to get there, balls that are super great. Okay, if there is a greatness of Sundays, <laughs> that's the hope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, if he'd have come back the next day, maybe there could have been an argument that he really didn't die. He just fainted. <laughs> so Saturday made it clear that Jesus was dead. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Saturday is a time of wrestling that develops character in people. People change through a Saturday experience. So, beginning, middle, and end, creation, fall, and redemption, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yesterday, today, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's a rhythm that exists a pattern for life. It seems like most of life, it's either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Either despair or hope or somewhere in between. And Saturday isn't even just uh, a 24-hour period in time. Saturday is a metaphor. It's, it's a picture of the wilderness experience that we all have in life, a sorting out time between what is and what's yet to be. Abraham was promised by God that his offspring would be a blessing to the whole world. Now, the only problem was is that Abraham was 100, his wife Sarah was 90, and she couldn't have any kids. And between the promise and the time that his son Isaac was born was 30 years you're already 100, and God makes them wait 30 years, 30 years of Saturday, filled with little mini Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays in between in his life as well. God promised David that he would be king of Israel. And right away, David goes out, and he slays Goliath, and then he goes out into battle, and he conquers. People are singing songs about his greatness. And he's probably thinking he's getting pretty close. But the current king at the time, King Saul, gets jealous of David and he tries to kill him. And so David has to go on the run. He has to flee from his land and actually go to the enemy's land. He has to pretend like he's crazy so that he's not seen as a threat. And they let him hide out in a cave. And so he's sitting there wondering, what is God doing at least 15 years passed from the time that God promised David, you will be king, to the time that he took the throne. 15 years of Saturday. There's a lot of temptations on Saturday. Orberg, in his book, he says, the problem with third-day stories is that you don't know it's a third-day story until the third day. When it's Friday, when it's Saturday, as far as you know, deliverance is never going to come. And the main question that we ask 
oftentimes on Saturday is what do I do next? I mean, surely God wants me to act in some way to get this story moving along. That's what Abraham did. When it didn't seem like God was doing anything, God wasn't providing the son, he took matters into his own hands and he said, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep with my servant, Hagar. And so she bore him a son. But God said, I'm not gonna bless the world through that child. You're gonna have to wait for me. The temptation is to ask the question, what do I do next? When the better question is this, who do I be now? We feel a lot of pressure on Saturdays. Our tendency is to view Saturdays through an either-or lens. Either our circumstances are horrible or they're awesome. When the reality is, is that they might be both at the same time. You see, when David was in that cave and he couldn't figure out how he was going to get from there to being king, God was humbling him. And he was removing him away from all that success. And he was kind of getting David to the end of his rope from the end of his plans to where God was saying, you know, the only way that that's going to happen is if I do it. And he was making him the man that God needed him to be to be the leader that he was going to be. On the Saturdays in our life, we might give, hope up, we might give up hope when our circumstances don't change. And we can quickly tumble into despair. And sometimes the slightest little setback can just crush us. And in our pain, we can demand that the people around us do something. That they say something, that they, that they rescue us, that they comfort us, that they, they help the story move along in some way or tell us it's just going to be okay. And we can either demonize or deify people based on whether they help our story move along or they leave us mired in uncertainty. And on Saturday, it feels really good to have someone to blame. As friends, we have a habit of trying to move other people's Saturdays into Sundays too quickly. And we do that for a couple of reasons. Some of them might be noble, like the fact that we don't like to see our friends in pain. We want some resolution to their pain. Sometimes, honestly, it's just us being selfish. We're growing uncomfortable or weary of being in their pain in their Saturday. And we just want it to be Sunday so we honestly don't have to deal with it anymore. Instead of just allowing our friends and being present with them in the Saturday to see what God has for them there. Yes, Saturday is filled with temptations of every kind. And where is God in all of this? I mean, where was God when Jesus was dead in the tomb? Where is God when our marriage is falling apart and we're praying or going to church or the loved one's illness isn't getting any better or month after month our income and our finances don't seem to add up? Now, in addition to the pain of Friday, we have the pain of God's silence on Saturday. The most common complaint or the most common psalm in the Bible is the psalm of complaint. There's a few just different examples from, from the book of Psalms. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? 
How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out day, I'm sorry, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Why? How long? Where are you? C.S. Lewis, most of you guys are at least familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia that he wrote. He wrote a few other books too, just in case you didn't know. But he was a 57-year-old bachelor, had never been married when he met his wife, Joy. And shortly after they were married, she got cancer and died. In his book, uh, A Grief Observed, it's a Saturday book, this is what he wrote. He said, when you are happy, so happy you have no sense of needing God, so happy you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all their help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. What can this mean? Why is he so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? So it seems that on Saturday we have one of three choices. One of those choices is despair. To just think, you know what, this is as good as it's going to get. There's never going to be a Sunday, and so I just have to learn to deal with the present reality. And then we construct this entire fortress of protection around us to numb the unrelenting pain of our circumstances. Or we can choose denial. We can live in this kind of place where we have simple explanations and easy answers and forced optimism. Anything that helps us get through this thought in our mind that it's going to be Saturday for a while. These people who tend to go towards denial, they sometimes throw out phrases that sound spiritual. Oh, God's got a plan. Or, you know, the Lord works for the good of all those whose hearts are completely his. And while that might be true, I think sometimes their friends around them are saying, I wish you'd just be honest about the fact that you're hurting. Or finally, we can wait. Jesus waited. He waited 30 years before he started his adult ministry. And then once he started that ministry, he went and he was baptized by John. And then guess what? He had to wait. God sent him away to the desert, to the wilderness, for 
40 more days to be tempted by Satan. 40 more days of Saturday. And while we're waiting, it's okay to whine and complain and to ask and to search and to wrestle with the question that we mentioned earlier, who should I be now? Not just when will Sunday come, but am I learning everything that you want to teach me on Saturday? I wonder what the disciples did on Saturday. I want you to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 26. Page 691. Matthew 26, we're going to be looking at verse 56. So Jesus is just uh, getting arrested, okay? So the, the Romans have come to arrest him, and at the end of verse 56, it says, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. And we know about a couple of disciples, what, what they did. We know that Judas the next day went and hung himself out of grief. We know that John was actually there at the cross. He was the only one that kind of stuck around. We know that Peter kind of followed him for a while, but, but he disowned them in the process. And, and really the other nine, we don't know. It just says they, they scattered, they dispersed and fled. Now I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 24, a couple books to your right. Luke 24. If you look at the headings there for, for chapter 23 at the end, it's one of them says Jesus' death. The next one says Jesus' burial. Those are Friday events. And then chapter 24 begins the resurrection, Sunday. All of a sudden, we've kind of skipped a day. Verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. We all know what happened when they got there. Jesus wasn't there. Some angels were there and they said, I know you're looking for Jesus, but remember, he said... That this was going to be a third day story. And he's not here. Let's skip down to verse 9. It says, when they, the women, came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, the other disciples, and to all the others. So remember, this is very early in the morning, and the disciples are together. And so the last thing we know about them on Friday is that they scattered and now, it's Sunday morning, and they're all together. The disciples had learned some things during their time with Jesus. And when it seems like all was lost, and that Jesus had failed, and that this movement to change the world was never going to get off the ground, they knew that they needed each other. Because to be alone in your pain makes it very difficult to gain some perspective sometimes. And so my guess is that at some point on Saturday, the disciples kind of came out of hiding after all the kind of dust had settled and it was kind of clear what their reality was going to be. And they found each other and they did what people do when they grieve. They think about the things that Jesus said and they reminisce about that. They probably spent some time 
just kind of marveling in all that they had been able to be a part of. I bet they cried and complained and questioned and maybe even threw out some, some plans for what do we do now. But whatever they did, they did it together. Is there something we can learn from that? What does the fact that Saturday happened say about God? What does the fact that Saturday happened say about God? Don't you hate it when I make you think? Gosh, just tell me what you want us to know. Yeah, Dave. Okay, so it tells us that he loves us, that he allows us to go through pain. It's one of the hardest things to do as a parent, isn't it? To not just want to hop in in your kids' lives and make it Sunday, but to allow them to wrestle and struggle and grow and learn. I'm sure it was agonizing for, for God to wait an extra day. Anything else you can think of that it says about his character? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. He proves just his sovereignty. How, how many times have you been in a relational struggle where the temptation is that you just want to resolve it? I mean, if I have to apologize, if I have to whatever, <laughs> I just don't want it to be like this. How hard is it to sit back and just allow God to work and to change people's hearts and be patient when the temptation is fix it? <laughs> I know it's tempting for me as a leader. That's hard. But only in trials and pain can there be change. And God knows that. In the great scheme of existence, we are living out one giant Saturday. From the very beginning of God's perfect creation to the very end when he will come back and restore everything to its original glory. God's desire is to take all broken circumstances and make them new for his glory. And some of those redemption projects are going to be visible now. We're going to see because God wants us to taste a piece of the kingdom. So sometimes we're going to see pieces of our stories and our pain get resolved or at least resolved to a level that brings some comfort. But sometimes we're not going to see that completely healed until we're with God in heaven. But one thing we can be sure of is that as we live in the Saturdays of our life, God's desire is to make us more like Christ so that whether or not Sunday comes, that even in the midst of our Saturdays, that we can represent him and how we deal with that. 
and that that can be a signal to a broken world of God's character. We're all going through some form of this three-day story. All of us are experiencing and have experienced and will a Friday of some sorts in our life when the results of our own sin or maybe the sins of those around us can kind of overwhelm us and plunge us into despair. Some of us maybe are in a Saturday time right now in our life between the despair of a Friday and the anticipated joy of a a Sunday we hope comes. We've been going through this marriage series and relationships, and some of you might be thinking, my Saturday, my, my marriage feels like it's a Saturday right now. But here's the thing about Sunday. Next Sunday is Easter, and that's good news because it tells us that if Jesus can conquer death, then maybe he can redeem some of the broken circumstances in our life. But it's not a guarantee that all the broken things in our life are going to be healed this side of heaven. You see, while the resurrection was good news to the disciples, it also was the catalyst that led to their martyrdom. Almost every one of them was killed for telling other people about the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. You see, if Jesus had never rose from the dead, all of his disciples might have lived long and happy lives. But Sunday changed everything. God has something for us wherever we are on the journey. No one gets to stay on Sunday. There are going to be many more Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays in our life. And the key is that we embrace each season, each moment, and we come to God and we say, God, I want, you to, I want to learn as much from wherever you have me. Make me patient to not want to rush and push this story along. Because what happens sometimes is we settle for a lesser Sunday, a counterfeit Sunday, than the ultimate one that God has for us in that situation. So this week as we head into Easter, six days from now when it's Saturday, I really want you to think about that, about what Saturday means, about how that speaks to you. Because like Christy said, it makes Sunday that so much better when we allow ourselves to sit in Saturday and accept that and learn from it at the time. Jesus told his disciples this when he said, when he was telling them all those things about, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to die. This is what he said to his disciples in John 16, He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the third day, those three-day stories in Scripture. We thank you for that rhythm and that pattern in our life. And we thank you that you love us enough that you allow us to be in Saturday for a while. Because you know that in those times is when you make us into the people that you want us to be. And that only through trial, only through struggle, is our pride broken down, our self-sufficiency broken down enough that we'll turn to you and just admit, God, I can't figure this out. I need you. And so I'm going to wait on you. And I'm going to stop settling for the, the counterfeit Sundays that I want to create to make myself feel better. And I'm going to wait for, for how you want this story to turn out. Whether it's 
completely felt in this life or in the life to come. My hope isn't in my circumstances. My hope is in you. You're the only one that can satisfy me. You're the only one that can heal me. And so I, I pray, God, that you would help us to release the demands we put on other people. I pray, God, that as friends, that we would be okay with allowing our friends to just be in a Saturday for a while. That we wouldn't flee the scene because it's too hard for us. But God, that you would teach us who do we need to be now. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us as we close today.